0: Now can we say that we've made it? Well, I mean, we can say that we've begun. Like, this is the birthday of the church. So, like, this is where things begin.
1: Oh, well, that's true. So, we have <laughs> Pentecost Sunday. The church is born. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> yeah. It's your birthday. I... Now, explain to me why this is the church's birthday. Like, why do we say that?
0: <laughs> well, this is... So, this actually gets into kind of my thoughts on the reading. So do, do we want to jump into that right now? <laughs> well,
1: uh, yeah, go ahead. Just jump right in.
0: Um, well, you know, in praying about this, it's, it's kind of a weird thing. You know, what we were talking about last week, there's so much going on and it's hard to know what to focus on. And especially right. when you throw in, like, how confused the sacrament of confirmation is. Mm. Like, we're just trying to come up with words to explain something that we really don't understand. Right. So right. the the thing that really strikes me about, and by the way, we're doing the readings for the mass during the day.
1: Yeah, not which, the vigil or the extended vigil.
0: Right. Um, I'm going to preach on both, by the way, but we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you look at the actual first reading is the actual account of, of Pentecost, of the descent of the Holy Spirit. You've got all that really mm-hmm. wonderful stuff going on. But then all of the other ones, I mean, they're good, don't get me wrong. Corinthians, St. Paul talking about, you know, the body in many parts, etc., etc. One of these very overly done verses some of the time. Um, And then we're kind of going back. I mean, we're still in the end of the Gospel of John, but um, Jesus is still saying receive the Holy Spirit, even though this is well before Pentecost. So it seems like there's a lot of time jumps and we're trying to like put them all together into one thing mm-hmm. which is confusing yeah, to je- me. right but yeah. and but going, here's here's where here's here's my angle i think this is what i'm thinking that it it does in a sense only make sense when you think of it as um as the beginning of as pentecost as the beginning of the church because now jesus has ascended into heaven he sits at the right hand of the father um able to, Bishop Barron had this image of a, of a, what was it? Like a military leader of a governor who kind, yeah, of, yeah. Who kind of directs, like general. yeah. Um, he directs from, you know, from heaven, obviously, but he also through the Holy spirit enters into our hearts and allows us to be filled now with, um, with all of that and being able to kindle the fire of your love as we hear, et cetera, you know? So I think so it so only makes do, sense yeah. in, con, in context with us doing stuff. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. I still so, don't have so, it figured out all the way.
1: So you want to talk, so like the angle is a little bit about like, not, like we've come full circle or like we've come to the end of the Easter season. Like maybe that's the angle that you're getting at. Like this is the culmination point. Christ has ascended. He's taken his seat at the right hand of the Father. And now go, like that go and yeah. here it is, the go. Is yeah, that what you in, mean?
0: A, in a sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe that's it. You know, we last week was the Great Commission. Go back make disciples of all nations teaching right. all that i've commanded you to teach um and now we get kind of um oh what do we want to say we've been given our mission last week and this week we're given the ability the, the means, strength yeah. the means maybe mm-hmm. yeah to do that mm-hmm. um,
1: yeah yeah no so, okay so i think that's good you know that if you if you put this in conjunction with like we're given Easter for 40 days and then Ascension and the mystery of the Ascension and then the great commission that comes with that. And then he does not leave us orphaned as he tells us in the great, you know, priestly prayer, but he sends us the advocate. So I think it's a really good angle, you know, the focus on without the spirit, you know, the, the whole mission that Christ left them at the Ascension would be impossible. Yeah. Um, I think that's really good. You know, I, I, I struggle a little bit with this feast, just like with the Ascension. I feel like, Kind of like what you mentioned with the Corinthians stuff, I I find so many things get reduced down to slogans like Mm -hmm. the Spirit is you know the life that gives us for the mission and the birthday of the church, where it's kind of hard to like parse out what's really going on. Right. And like with the ascension, I kind of had a hard time preaching on it. I preached yesterday on it just because I. Like what is this mystery getting at? We kind of talked about this a little bit yesterday. And Jesus with all these confusing lines in John's mm-hmm. Gospel of like, I'm leaving, but I'm staying. And <laughs> if I don't go, the Spirit won't come. But right, right. because I go, the Spirit is with you all. Like, what? Parse it out for me. Like, it's just really hard to like get a yeah. linear.
0: Well, but see, I think that again focusing on the church, I think may help us out here. So, for example, last uh, for the Ascension, I. I don't think that I did this well. I think I needed more time to kind of develop my thoughts. Um I kind of took the angle of looking at how Jesus um the need for Jesus to ascend was crucial because if he stayed here then how can we be the body of Christ if his body is physically still here?
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so if he's just this kind of wandering, I used the example. <laughs> I kind of regret this. Uh Do you remember the old show Kung Fu? Yeah. (laughs) So if he's just like this wandering, you know, kung fu master that's solving crimes and mysteries, well, that's cool. I mean, I like those shows. I like, you know, thinking about that. But there's no, there's no hope there. There's no faith there. Hmm. And I even, I got super nerdy, and I even um, uh, used Galadriel as an example. I told you a little bit about this. That you know, if it would be like, you know, when she when she's tempted by the ring, and we get that really scary you know, all will love me in despair kind of a thing. Like if if all that Christ is, is this super powerful being here on earth, like I don't see any other outcome than that, mm. you know, the dark Lord. But because yeah. he has ascended, now he is f- fully, fully back in relationship with the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And now we've got, um, and now we've got how you and I interact with that. And it's not right. always perfect. So that kind of gets back to what I was saying with, I think the church is a great way to look at this because it's not yeah. always perfect. And I think mm-hmm. we need to be okay recognizing that. Right. And saying, we listen to the Holy Spirit, but you know what? We get it wrong most of the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's okay. Like, I'm not I'm not saying, well, because we never get it right, then we shouldn't even try. No, we, we try. We screw up, mm-hmm. but sometimes we get it right. And we need to celebrate when we do. Right. So...
1: So one thing that I like about what you're saying that is helpful for me is that, like the ascension and then subsequently the 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 descent of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, something that's interesting about all that is Jesus could have stayed on Earth yeah. and ruled in power, right? And it and it didn't have to be evil; it could have been. I mean, sure, power. He that, still is God. Was, okay. okay, right. Now, where I'm going with it though is that it's actually the the ascension is kind of Jesus, like. Showing us that we have a role to play as well, which is which is your angle, I think, but I'm just sort of saying it a different way, which is that this is, you can think about it in terms of like, he's entrusting the mission to us, not because he's leaving, but because he knows he could do it all for us, but he wants us to participate in the saving work. You know, like, right. Right. like there, there's, a, there's an ecclesial dimension to salvation. And I think that's what's put on display here, that the spirit is given to the church to continue the saving work of Christ in the world, not because... Christ had to leave but be Christ chose to leave so that he could give us the space by which, in which we can then continue his own work. Like that's how much he trusts us and wants Mm -hmm. us to cooperate in his own mission. Um,
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I don't know if this, um, if I'm dipping my toes into heresy here. (laughs) (laughs) It's Uh, likely. (laughs) uh, So let's like bracket that off for just a second. Um, But I, you know, you said, It may not be evil, but I don't know, you know, like, Jesus, okay, Jesus is God, he's the second person of the Trinity, but if he's removed from that relationship, like, how can we expect the fullness of the divine relationship to be lived out in just one part, even though it's all parts, and this is where it gets weird, I don't really know.
1: Right. Um, and I, I can't really speak to it just because I think there's some Trinitarian theology here that I don't really understand. Like, how can the second person of the Trinity be both in eternity and also incarnate, you know, yeah. on Earth? In, well,
0: Jesus is incarnate. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. The second person, you know? <laughs> well, right. So, yeah. I think there's,
1: there's a... There's but the some second person difficult... was
0: from the beginning, but Jesus right. so of Nazareth there's some... wasn't.
1: There's some difficult heresy here <laughs> that I don't think that we should venture into because... Yeah, yeah. Jesus yeah. is a divine person. Right. He's not a human person.
0: No, he uh, is a human person.
1: No, he's not. It's, so the heresy is that he's <laughs> a human person. The 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 orthodoxy is that he's a divine person with a human nature. Um, fully God, so, fully man. Right, but Player. a human nature, divine person. <laughs> anyway, we don't need to get into all this. Uh, there's certainly no homily here. Like, right. Oh, no, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Now, okay. So I want to I want to mention something to you that might be helpful for for preaching. Um, I think one thing that I'm really struck by, I preached on this, uh, it must have been like the first Friday of Easter. Um, uh-huh. We had the reading, we had the reading from John's gospel where it's the the catch of fish yeah. uh, after the resurrection. Yep. I don't know if I told you this, but I, I looked into some of the commentaries from the church fathers and they had this whole thing about the, um, the number of fish. Mm-hmm. So it's like 153 fish that Peter catches yeah. uh, the on the fish. Sea of Galilee. Hmm? All the fish. Okay. So that's one interpretation of the number, that it's 153 species of fish. Um, another, another interpretation that I heard, which I thought was really interesting, was that the number of fish is equal to the number of... Races that are represented on the feast of Pentecost times the number of the name of Simon in Hebrew So if you take the numerical value of the name Simon Multiply that by the number of people represented at Pentecost you get 153 And the church father that was saying all this was trying to make the point that The mission of the church is universal Mm -hmm. Meaning that all of the nations represented here at Pentecost which are Mm -hmm. 17 But all of the nations are united under the one head, Christ, but through his vicar, Peter. And so there's an ecclesial dimension still with thinking about how the whole church is united with one head, Christ, under his Roman pontiff. Um, Anyway, that was sort of an angle that I took for that gospel that I don't know how I would do for this because Peter's not mentioned in this. Right. But Peter does quickly take up the word right after this and he starts preaching very boldly. You know, so there may be something to be said here, kind of like what you're talking about with the church's dimension localized in peter that the universal mission of the church is given to peter and the apostles and we see that played out in that you know that wonderful story on the sea of galilee but then also here you know with the spirit being given to the church and then immediately peter standing as the head of all of the church preaching to all of the kingdoms you know you have all these people represented here at the end of the the first reading yeah you know and all all of them understood in their own language okay you know
0: okay okay here's the thought i like what you're saying and i'm and I think I'm about to agree with you. So look at the way (laughs) you can never tell. I mean, come on. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in our gospel, you know, we have that great line. So the as the father has sent me, so I send you. Okay, great. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, So good. So good. But then how does it end? Receive the Holy Spirit whose sins you forgive are forgiven them and whose sins you retain are retained. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So here's where I think a lot of people get confused. Like, the priesthood to uh, is not magic like the sacraments aren't magic Jesus didn't give them you know the right words to say so that you know etc he gave them the authority to do what he said they can do because the father sent me so I send you and now you are be, you are able to do this thing because mm-hmm. of who you mm-hmm. are and what I have called you to be now everybody is called by Christ okay uh, but not all are called the same. And I think that kind of gets into St. Paul's reading. Um, and so I think there's a really great, to your point now, there's a really great ecclesial dimension to this Pentecost, which is, uh, uh, how do I want to say, the uh, the birthday in, of the church is in a sense, I think, because now the priests have... They don't have the power, but they've got the authority given to them literally from God to do right. what they've been called to do.
1: Right. Power and authority. I mean right. both go right. together, you know. Um Yeah, no, so I think what we're I think what we're approaching is that the gospel, that the, the, the homily for this Sunday seems to, for at least this conversation, it seems to be centering on an ecclesial dimension to the Feast of Pentecost. Um, that, and I think this is kind of an interesting thing to think about. Um, so the Holy Spirit is the spirit of the body of Christ. And though the body has many parts, so says St. Paul, it has one spirit.
0: Yeah. Well, it proceeds from the father and the son.
1: Well, what I love about this though, is that like, think about the analogy with the human body is that we have a soul Uh and the soul, the spirit that we have within us that we are is the unifying principle of the members of our physical body. And so without our souls, our bodies fall apart. Mm-hmm. You know, when we die, our bodies literally decompose. So imagine the church without the Holy Spirit, the church without the Holy Spirit, the members may exist as individual parts, but there's no unity. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's something to be said here about how you might preach a, God, a homily on church unity on the Feast of Pentecost, and not just the power given to us as individual members, but how all of those powers and responsibilities yeah. and charisms that we receive are for the sake of the whole, and how we should maintain unity, and how unity is maintained in the church. Anyway, so I think there might be nope. something to be said about a homily around unity, too, that could be really appropriate in this time of such division.
0: Well, know? yeah, and I think that's exactly right. You know, I, I don't think it's a it's a coincidence that we're both talking about this ecclesial dimension when so many people are not able to go to church. Like, what does it mean to be members of the one body when you can't go to church? Mm-hmm. And there's so much more. Obviously, there's so much more to it than just that. I mean, that's a huge part—the source and the Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith. But there's so many right. different dimensions, so many different ways in which we can, um, in times like these, <laughs> when mm-hmm. we can, mm-hmm. when we can, maybe not to the fullest extent of our vocations, but live out our. Our baptismal call to be good mm-hmm. and holy Christians mm-hmm. by being parts of the body of Christ.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I think there, there's something to be said about like, you know, the Holy Spirit is sort of like the, unfortunately, is kind of the afterthought for most people in terms mm-hmm. of the Trinity, you know? And, you know, you have God the Father who seems to be in a lot of people's imaginations. God. And then you have Jesus, who's sort of a demigod, which is, of <laughs> course, heresy. Right. And then the spirit is like this, this sort of like the force, you know, in, in Star Wars or something. Um, but the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit ultimately is, God. he's the third person of the Holy Trinity. He's God himself. And so God himself is the unifying force of the church, the unifying presence in the church. And so when Jesus departs, God does not depart. God is still present in the church to unify the church. Yeah. Um, And so, I mean, it just gets to what we, I think, been struggling with during the coronavirus pandemic is that people who can't go to the parishes start to feel like they're separate from the body of Christ. And we have to be very careful to not say that too strongly, that just because I can't go to mass and just because I can't be with my pastor and my parish community, that I'm still a member of the body of Christ united in one spirit that I've received in my baptism. Mm Um. And I'm still a member that's grafted onto the body. So, yeah, how to live, maybe how to cultivate a spirituality of the Holy Spirit. You know, how to have, cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit, um, which is hard for a lot of people, I think, yeah. to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit.
0: Well, I think it was even. I mean, the 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 apostles and those first disciples were. Um, I mean, obviously they had this really strong uh, physical encounter with that, but I think it wasn't until like the fourth century with one of the Cappadocians that like it was explicitly said that the Holy Spirit is God. Hmm. Like it was always this weird you know thing that proceeds from the father or proceeds from the father and the son.
1: Um, yeah. So be careful not to trample into heresy again. <laughs> no, <laughs> so, that's lit- yeah. like
0: literally what. <laughs>
1: so like the pronouncement, like the pronouncement. The pronouncement of, yeah. They may have
0: believed. Yeah, I mean, God. I'm sure they did believe that, but like, right, right. Explicitly um, said it.
1: Yeah. Sure. Sure. No, it's good. Yeah. And I, so here's maybe my last little thought here that might be important is that I think one thing that I get really interested in these days, you know, I'm studying spiritual theology. And so this is something that's always on my mind. What is it like when we say that I have a certain kind of spirituality, like what the hell does that mean? (laughs) Like, What do people mean by a spirituality? And I think ultimately what it means that we're talking about having a relationship with Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Well, Spirituality, the practice of spirituality, of any kind of spirituality, ultimately is trying to approximate how the spirit is alive in my life. And so as a Jesuit, I find myself deeply tied to Ignatian spirituality because I find myself communing with God in and through the Holy Spirit in this mode Mm -hmm. of what Ignatius Loyola, you know, provided me as a member of, of his religious order, you know, but like Carmelite spirituality is just another charism, you know, so the spirit is manifesting himself in all of these different ways in which we can commune with him, uh, in our prayer life. And so what, what kind of spirituality do you have? Well, ultimately we're all Catholic and we have a Catholic spirituality because we're grounded in the Eucharist, but you can also have a different flavor of Catholicism based on your spirituality, you know, yeah. like the Carmelites, the Franciscans, the Dominicans, the Jesuits, all we kind of have our own spirituality because just like this great reading from Pentecost, it emphasizes the diversity of the church, but the unity in mm-hmm. that diversity.
0: Yeah, you it's not need, sameness.
1: Yeah, you don't need sameness. You need diversity and unity together when those two things too far on one side or the other if you have unity then you have with to the lack of diversity you have this like monolithic uniformity which is not the body of Christ but if you have diversity without unity then you just have you know you have just a diversity of religions and you don't have the body of Christ anymore I don't know I, I think about that a lot
0: yeah but I think another the other side of that is the temptation for a lot of people is to kind of fall into sentimentality where we just, you know, we've got this allelu- great, this really beautiful Alleluia verse. Um, Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Mm-hmm. Like it can, and I've heard it before, uh, you know, oh, we just need to love everybody. That's what the Spirit wants.
1: Right, right. It's there like, you well, go. yeah, That's,
0: but <laughs> yeah. it's so much deeper yes than that. Yes, and. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Yes, exactly. and, you
1: know. <laughs> uh, good. Very good. All right, cool, man. Any parting thought? No. All right. Go pray. (laughs) Go pray. (laughs) (laughs) All right, dude. Till next time. See you in Ordinary Time. Ordinary Time. What? (laughs) Goodbye. All right, dude. Peace.